Please, amen. So every month in the discipleship class, you will have a handout uh, each month and different teachers each month, amen. And so they'll be pounding away at the same thing for the whole month so that we can grow together, amen. And so today, we're going to take off. Now, Wednesday night, I mentioned about the Beatitudes, and that's where we're headed today. Hopefully, everybody's got a notebook and a handout. Uh, If you need a notebook or handout, amen. Uh, That's where we want to head this morning. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. Amen. We'll read the first 12 verses. But like I told you the other day, the Beatitudes cover more than just these 12 verses. It is actually all of chapters 5, 6, and 7. And so and that's why you should look at it uh, because the Beatitudes is designed, amen, to take you to a high level uh, in your spiritual walk with God. And that's our overall goal here as well is to hopefully after the end we begin to reach to this uh, plateau uh, a little bit higher, get to a higher altitude in our spiritual life and our spiritual walk with God because that's what God desires. If we're going to go higher, he wants us to grow. As Peter says, you need to grow in the Lord. So Matthew 5, amen, verse 1, And seeing the multitude, he went up into a mountain, And when he was set, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for greater great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which was before you amen and so we look at the beatitudes amen this morning and if you would picture yourself think about it. i know when we were on our trip in israel and we went to the mount of the beatitudes where it was told us that this is the place where jesus taught it's not a very uh, high mountain there it's not too far from the sea of galilee Amen. It's kind of like a knoll, basically. And so if you would uh, picture yourself here uh, with the crowd, with the crowd, amen, and Jesus is teaching and you are in the crowd with the people. Now think about that. And you're listening to him teach, amen, here. And so he's saying to you, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on and he's, he's talking. And, and you can imagine how long the sermon must have been, you know, that he was teaching. And a lot of times in Jesus' teaching, we have to study because if not, we can miss what he's really saying and miss the point. Amen. And, but that's not what God desires. He wants us to grow. He wants us to have an understanding. Just like the purpose of this church, okay? What's the purpose? That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing 
and the knowledge of God. That's what God desires for his church here. Amen. And I think he desires that for every church. Amen. That we walk worthy of the Lord. Amen. Being fruitful. We grow. Amen. Because we are connected to the fruit tree. And so therefore we should be fruitful. We should be growing. We should know more every day and more about Christ each and every day. Our vision of this church to be a church of divine leadership and spiritual growth for all. Everybody should be maturing to take into a leadership role to be able to do something in the kingdom of God. Peter said in 2 Peter 3.16, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, and which are sometimes hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do all the other scripture. Notice Peter says here, if you're unstable and you're unlearned, you're going to start wrestling with the scriptures. This is what usually happens when people are not committed to the things of God. They're not sold out to the things of God. The house of God is not important to them. Amen. They have so many other things that takes priority, they start wrestling with the Scriptures. In other words, you try to make it fit to what? To fit your circumstance and how you want to live and how what you think about it. But it doesn't change the fact that God says this. Amen. And so that's what a lot of people, you can find excuses all day long for why you can't do things. But that's not of God. Amen. And so therefore we have to be careful. Notice what people say. They start wrestling with the scriptures. And the Bible tells us if you start wrestling with the scripture, God will even send you a strong delusion that you'll obey a lie and be destroyed. Amen. So don't lean to your own understanding. That's what Solomon says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? And all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Amen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for corrections, instructions, and righteousness, that the men of God should be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Peter tells you in Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, that know this, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they was moved by the Holy Ghost. So that's why it's the word of God. Men wrote in their own style, but it came from God. Amen. So we have to realize this. Amen. Praise God. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says, When time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teacher again, which is to become the first principles of the oracles of God, and to become as such as need milk. Amen. And not strong meat. See? For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of God. Amen. Isn't it amazing that we humans stay on milk forever? You know? But animals get their kids off of it quick. They wane them and you don't get no more. Now you guys go to the store and buy milk and put it in the cup for the cat so he can drink it. But he really would not rather have water probably. <laughs> Amen. So for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Notice. We want, God wants us to be right because this is the white linen of the saints of God. So if all scripture is inspired of God and to teach us doctrine, which is truth, amen, and instructions in righteousness, then we should read the word of God. As James says, we should become doers of the word of God and we should grow. Amen. You just can't look in the word of God and says, well, that was nice. I really like that. And don't do anything with that. You know, 
as the Lord told, told Joshua, he says, don't you let the law depart out of your mouth. For in so doing, you will have great success. Amen. The word of God is there for us. Amen. So we're not in skin, for he is a babe. But strong meat belong to them that are full age. Are you full? Are you of age? Are you growing? Amen. Full age. Even as those who by reason of having their sense exercised to discern both good and evil. See, that there's a gift that God's give, and it's called the spirit of discernment. And so when you have the spirit of discernment, notice what he said. You can discern good versus evil. You'll know right from wrong. When you pray, you should pray to God to give you the gifts of the spirit. You should be praying, says, God, I want more wisdom. I want more understanding. God, I want discernment. I want faith. You know, you don't have not because what? You ask not. See, you should know what is right versus what is wrong. Don't lean to your own understanding. Amen. You've got to study to show yourself approved unto God. Amen. So we want to grow in these things of God, this lesson. Amen. So in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus challenged the people to a standard of living that is radically different from anything that the world has ever heard before. Amen. When you read it, like I said earlier, a lot of it doesn't make sense. This sermon does not say live like this and you'll be a Christian. But rather, because you are a Christian, live like this. See? That's what the Bible is. It is a Christian book. It's not a book of the world. That's why the people in the world don't understand it. You can beat them up all you want until they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't know the Bible. They don't know its purpose. See, this is inspired of God. Yes, it's designed to teach them how to become a Christian, but it don't make any sense to them outside of that. It's for you and I. This is our roadmap. This is our book that teaches us how to be what God says for us to be. Amen. So the, so the sermon is telling us, because you are Christian, live like this. This sermon shows how Christians are meant to live. Christ does not sound like Moses, the Lord giver, or Elijah, the prophet. This sermon has no threats or terror. In fact, it sounds rather friendly. Think about it. It's a very friendly sermon. Amen. It seems certain that no other speech ever delivered has so influenced man as his sermon on the mount. Amen. People today, you, you stop and think about how long this was done ago. And people, here we are, still talking about it today. You know, there's certain scriptures throughout the scripture, no matter how much time passed, because Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word won't pass away. You know, that's like at funerals. Most times you're going to hear Psalms 23. Lord is my shepherd, you know. It's a year over the years, you know. Uh, me and my wife, the other morning in our devotion, we got to talking and we got to singing a little bit and we got to talking about, isn't it amazing that people sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You know, long, as long as that's been ago that he wrote that song, people still sings it today. There's certain things about God that, People just grasp and hang on to. And that's the Sermon of the Mount. 
Its content so superior to any production of man prove, prove the deity of its author. It teaches us out of harmony with many schools of religion or philosophy of that day. Hence, their brightest lights could not have produced it. It is not eccentric that it is. It contains, its content, excuse me, are not a collection of the best thoughts of that and previous age. It teaches its distinct, revolutionary, challenging every school of religious thoughts of the time, both Jewish and heathen. Amen. It is not a product of time, but it's of deity. In other words, it comes from God. Jesus is teaching it. He's showing us. We do not study the sermon because it makes us feel good. If the Sermon on the Mount makes you feel good, then you have neither read or understood it. Think about that. This sermon, when you look at it, it causes you to humble yourself. It brings you to the ground. It causes you to see that you need to be abased. It causes you to see that you need to get off your plateau and come down to a lower level if you're going to be what Christ is asking you and I to be. Amen. It is not a condemning scripture. Amen. But it drives you to the cross. However you want, however, if you want power in your life as a Christian, if you want to be blessed, then go to the Sermon on the Mount. Because the first words as you begin to read on the Sermon on the Mount is blessed. Amen. Notice, he says, if you want to be blessed, you've got to do these things. Amen. So the Beatitudes all begin with blessed. Amen. There is a tendency to take a verse from this sermon and isolate it from the rest. I don't want to talk about that turning the other cheek as you read in Matthew 5.39, you know. We hear that in the Sermons on the Mount, but it's, it's down later on. Amen. With one of those who does not understand the Beatitude. Some think of you, think, Excuse me. Some think if you own a clothing store and a man comes in and steals the clothes, coat, you have to stop him and make him take the overcoat as well. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Some Christians will call other people every derogatory term and the word except for fool. Think about it. Some will go into court of law and find and will affirm and tell the truth, but not swear to tell the truth, even though they mean the same thing. Matthew five thirty three through thirty seven. Just laying a little groundwork here for you. The Sermon on the Mount shows the way of blessings for a Christian. We do not find happiness in the same way the world does, for our standards are not. Theirs. That's why when you read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, at the end, Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's the conclusion of the whole matter? Fear God and do what? For this is, this is the whole duty of man. Amen. That's all you got to do. Respect God, keep his commandments, and you got it made. <laughs> Anything hard about that? <laughs> That's all you got to do. Respect God, keep his word, and you'll be okay. The word with the young man cleanses his way, but taking heed to the word of God. It's not hard. 
Amen. You just have to do what God says for us to do. The Sermon on the Mount tells us that it is the poor, not the haughty, the meek, not the proud, the merciful, not the cruel, the peacemaker, not the agitator, who are blessed by God. Our view of God determines our view of the whole world. The biggest mistake most people make in the studying of the Beatitude is to overlook the very words, as I said early at the beginning, which is blessed. Amen. Because God wants us to be blessed. Amen. The Beatitudes does not tell us how to be happy, but how to be blessed. Amen. Each Beatitude tells us how to be blessed by God. Blessed means more than happiness. It implies the fortunate or or inevitable state of those who are in God's kingdom. The Beatitudes don't promise laughter, pleasure, or earthly prosperity. Being blessed by God means the experience of hope and joy independent of outward circumstances. To find hope and joy, the deepest form of happiness, follow Jesus no matter what the cost. Amen. And you can find that in the Life Application Study Bible. Amen. The Greek term for blessed, blessed, happy, was not nearly as difficult to understand for Jesus' audience and Matthew's readers as it is for us. Matthew's Jewish listeners and readers were familiar with the term. Our modern ideal of happiness is diluted version of a happy implied by the term Jesus used. Our ideal of happiness is a dependence of circumstances. Instead, God's happiness or joy is dependent on the assurance of God's blessings. Amen. Sometimes present, often future. Not on current circumstance, and it abides deep and undisturbed within the believer. Amen. So in the Old Testament, amen, the Beatitudes calmly present situations in which God bless, amen, could, blessings could be found. The Beatitudes speaks of a joy which comes in spite of sickness, pain, sorrow, loss of loved ones, or grief. Jesus says, no one will take your joy from you in John 16. 22. The Beatitudes does not describe different types of Christians. All Christians are meant to manifest all of these characteristics. Christians are different in what we seek after and long for. Everyone will hunger and thirst after something. What is it with you? Wealth, status, political power are the righteousness of God. It is not enough to hear the words of Jesus. We must obey them. Amen. According to Jesus, amen, on the Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. According to Jesus, now, think about this. True happiness is related to some kind of poverty. Amen. Now, there's nothing wrong with you being rich. Think about it. There's nothing wrong with the kind of car you drive. There's nothing wrong with the kind of clothes you wear. See? You, you, we just don't flaunt these things as Christians. I know me, lots of millionaires in the church. And you could go to their homes and you will never know it. Because they don't flaunt it. But the world will flaunt theirs. See? 
So there's nothing wrong with having stuff. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about material poverty. Amen. If you never stopped and read Proverbs, amen, if you look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 through 9, that is probably the only prayer you find in the book of Proverbs. And that's Agar. And he, he asked the Lord, he says, give me neither riches nor poverty and give me food it's convenient for me, right? You ever read that? Amen. So that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Amen. The Apostle Paul knew both what? Poverty and he knew riches. Look at Philippians 4, verse 11. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. You there? Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to abase, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to be abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ. Which strengtheneth me. See, so the first beatitude that Jesus hits you with is humility. You have to become humble. Amen. In other words, you got to get down. What did we talk about all last month on Wednesday night, class? Overcoming who? Getting self out of the way, right? Every Wednesday night last month, we talked about overcoming self. And that's where Jesus hits you with to start with in these Beatitudes. You're going to have to humble yourself. You've got to get self out of the way if you're going to grow in Christ. You can't, it can't be about you, and it has to be about you. Let me put it that way. All right? You've got to get flesh and self out of the way if you're going to grow in Christ. His ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. Amen. It's not about rich and immaterial things, amen, but it's about being rich in Him, to know more of Him. You should be overflowing. Your bank account of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of Him should be running over. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and runneth over. Scripture, every time you open your mouth, Scripture should just be flying everywhere. Because you're getting a dividend back for all the scriptures that you've hidden in your heart. Once your bank account is full, that's what's going to come out of you. It's going to keep flowing out of you. Your life is going to be continually overflowing in these things. So this is what Christ is trying to get us to see, is to come to a state of humility. Because if you don't ever become humble, nothing else is going to bless you. Nothing else is going to help you. Amen. You've got to bring yourself under subjection. Amen. Because you're not the way of the world. The world's going to flaunt themselves. They're going to flaunt their self-confidence. Amen. They're trying to make your kids in school to be elevated and to do all this stuff. You know. But Christ says, no, you've got to be humble. You don't see too many politicians that are humble, do you? Doesn't pass the common sense test to the world. You know, because if you walk in humility in the world, 
They're going to say, oh, you're weak. Yeah, no, you ain't going to lead us. You know, you know that's, that's kind of like what happens with Korah and his henchmen because Moses was listed as one of the most humblest men in the world. See, Jesus came in. He was humble. You know, and they said, well, you ain't going to lead us. See, they was looking at someone from a different standpoint here. Being poor in spirit does not mean poor spirit either. Poor spirited people like drive and have no enthusiasm for life. Poor spirited people have no real motivation to accomplish anything. Jesus was concerned with poverty of spirit, a frame of mind. The Beatitudes was given as a very definite order, for they are a picture of a man turning to God. They're showing you what should happen when you repent and turn to God. Amen. This is what he's trying to show us. This beatitude begins with emptying of yourself. Get everything out of you that's not like him so that he can put himself in you. Jesus says, I will be in you and take up residence in you and abide in you. Amen. So what should be our attitude towards ourself? Number one, the world places great emphasis on self-reliance and self-confidence. Amen. The Apostle Paul placed no confidence in himself. He made Christ the focus of his life. And that's why when you look at 2 Corinthians 4, amen, at 3 through 5, Paul says, if this gospel be hid, it's hid to them who's lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the glorious gospel of Christ should be revealed unto them. Amen. See, it's all about Jesus. Praise God. See, Paul would not have been accepted today in the church. See? Now look at 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Let's, let's see how Paul addressed the church at Corinth here. Second, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I, brethren, as Philippians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'll get to it in my scripture. There you go. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellently a speech of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimonies of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul says, I just came with the gospel. And I was with you in weakness. Notice, I'm, now he's coming in humility. And I was weak you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power of Almighty God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but what? In the power of God. Amen. So Paul came in a humble state because he wanted them to be able to, to capture what he was trying to bring to them. Amen. And so he wouldn't be accepted in the church today by, by his actions. Amen. Look at Gideon. 
Judges 6.15. Go to Judges 6.15. Look at Gideon. Old Testament. Judges 6 verse 15. Anybody got it? We can have Bible quiz in this morning. See who get there first. Sister Miller got there first. And he said unto him, Oh my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Amen. When God was calling Gideon, Gideon was humble. He says, basically, I'm the least in my dad's house. I can't do this. But see, that's what God is looking for. It's men and women who are humble. Men and women, amen, who doesn't see themselves on some plateau way up high. Amen. He wants the humble to be abased here. Amen. Look at Moses, Exodus 4.10. Moses in Exodus 4.10. Exodus 4.10. Man, my time is sliding right away. But I guarantee you, we'll get, we'll get through this lesson. And Moses said unto the Lord, now, now the Lord is calling Moses at the burning bush, right? He's at the burning bush here. And notice what Moses says. Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither hereto, for now or since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Amen. Moses says, God, I can't speak to you. I can't do it, Lord. You know. He, he, he was humble. He was humble here. Amen. Look at Solomon. Go to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 through 9. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 through 9. Amen. And in Gibeah, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. Anybody have any dreams? <laughs> I think the scripture says young men shall dream dreams and us old men will see visions. So you young folks should be having a whole lot of dreams. <laughs> Amen. And, and give you the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream of night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. What would you do if God said that to you, Sister Vicky? <laughs> what would you do, Sister Sandy, if God appeared to you in a dream and said, ask me what you want? <laughs> And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit in his throne as it is this day. Verse 3. Amen. And now, Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for mother to. Give thy for thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? Notice, he says, just give me an understanding heart. That's what I want, to be able to lead your people. You've showed all this mercy and kindness to my father. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I'm young. I'm a child. 
and look, you you got all these people, you can't even number them, and you want me to lead them, I need an understanding heart. I need the wisdom. I need the knowledge of how to do this thing. And God tells him, if you keep reading that, you will see what God did for him. God says, because you didn't ask for your enemies and riches and all that, he says, I'm going to give you that anyhow. Because it all starts with wisdom. Amen. Everything else comes with wisdom. Amen. So we have to be humble if we're going to be blessed of God. Look at Luke 18, verse 9 through 14. We know this story, right? The Pharisee and the, and the publican goes up to the church or the synagogue to pray. Amen. You got it? Luke 18, verse 9 through 14. And he spake this parable to uncertain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. IRS agents, right? Preacher, all right? The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with them himself, God, I think that I am not as other men are extortioners and just adulterers or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And notice, and the publican standing afar off could not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, This man went down of his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased. And he that humbled himself shall be exalted. Amen. So notice. You see, instead of the Pharisees, you know, he's bragging about everything that he's got. He's not realizing what he's got. He got it from God. Even though he was tithing, where did he get it from? (laughs) He got it from God. You know, so he should have been humble in his life and in his walk with God, amen, and living in a state of humility. Psalms 113 verse 5 says, Who is like the Lord our God, who dwell on high, who humbled himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in earth? Who is like him? Amen. Who is like him? Praise God. Notice Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Paul will answer this question. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in likeness of men, and been found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death. On the cross. Amen. Where is your mind? Amen. Humility. We want to be like Christ. He was a humble man. We want to walk in humility. We want to live in humility. We don't want to abase, I mean, exalt ourselves. Amen. We want to humble because the Bible says, Whoso humble himself shall what? Be exalted. God will raise you up. He will pick you up. 
He wants to bless you. So the key thing we have to get started with is get self out of the way. And it starts with being humble, amen, before Christ and before others. Humility is a modest or low view of one's own importance. Humility is modesty, humbleness, meekness, amen, unassertiveness, lack of pride, lack of vanity, and submissiveness. You want to humble yourself here, praise God. In John 13, amen, verse 12 through 17, we know the story how Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Amen? After they had finished eating. And notice here, John chapter 13, verse 12. So after he had washed their feet. You washed anybody's feet lately? What was the job of the servant? Amen. You know, they had the responsibility to wash the feet. That's why they had the jaws of, of, of Franken's was by the door. They was water pots. And that's why when the Jesus went to the wedding and he got there and they didn't have no wine. And he told them to fill the pots with water. Take the water, foot water. <laughs> fill it up. <laughs> Amen. And he turned it into wine. Amen. Praise God. Now notice, this is the job of a servant. Notice Jesus goes on, and after he had washed their feet, he taken his garment and sat down again. And he said to them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you before you do them. You're not greater than Jesus. <laughs> you know? And he was willing to humble himself. To give us an example. To not think more highly of yourself than you ought. We are servants. Amen. And, and when you read Matthew's account, amen. Jesus, I mean, excuse me, Luke, I think it's 17, verse 7. I think Jesus said, when you have done all those things which are required of you, say we are unprofited servants. We have did that which was our duty. Amen. You are to be servants. You are to serve others. Amen. You've got to get yourself out of the way. He didn't come to be served, he says. I came to serve. Amen. And if he came to serve, then we should be servants. You are my witnesses and my servants. Whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me that I am he. Before me there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord. Beside me there is no Savior. So we have to humble ourselves. Peter goes on in 1 Peter 5. Amen. 5 through 7. Likewise, you younger submit yourself to the elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed 
and humility. First Peter 5, verse 5 through 7. Give you a second to get there. Everybody there? Okay. Amen. Likewise, you younger, be submitted, submit yourselves to the elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. For God resisted the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. Be clothed with humility. Amen. Be clothed. Put it on. Put on humility. Be humble. Be a base. Amen. Don't elevate yourself. Let God do that for you. You know, because if you elevate yourself, you know what? 90% of the time you get the rug jerked right out of under you. Amen. I've had that happen so many times in my young life when I was first became a Christian. Amen. Praise God. We've got to be humble in our mind. Amen. Praise God. James tells us in James 4, verse 6 and verse 10, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he said, God resist the proud, but he give grace unto the humble. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. James 4, verse 6 and verse 10. Amen. He gives grace to the humble. This meaning is that he shows them favor. People ask me, how am I doing? I says, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. He gives more grace to the humble. You need grace? You might want to check your humility. You know? No. His grace is sufficient. Amen. To meet every need. Amen. Praise God. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Amen. They were not to exalt. They are to submit to God. Submit yourself to God. Proverbs eighteen twelve tell us, Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty. And before honor, is what? Humility. Proverbs eighteen twelve. Amen. So we're going to be talking, amen, all month. And next week I'll go back and I'll pick up a little bit more on this. But the first step, as we got to look at here on your chart, is humility. Because nothing else flows. We're not going to go higher than where we are. See? And this is what God is trying to show us by these steps to take us to this temple of truth. Is that when we humble ourselves and when we get ourselves out of the way, we can become overcomers in anything. Say, if you notice on Wednesday night, we're talking about being an overcomer. And this is what God wants. He wants you to grow. He wants you to reflect Him. He wants you to know that greater is He that's in you than He that is in this world. He wants you to be full of joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. He wants you to know that you, He's as close as the mention of His name. So he lays out the foundations of the work. Amen. And you're going to find as you read the Beatitudes and as you study the Beatitudes, everything that Jesus taught in those three chapters, 5, 6, and 7, when you come into chapter 8 and right on out, 
You're going to see everything that he taught on that mountain. He went right out and did every bit of that. As you continue to read through the book of Matthew, you will find that everything he talked about in 5, 6, and 7 is the rest of the book. The things, his actions, and the things he did to prove that what he said he was willing to do. And that's got to be our attitude as well. He wants us at a plateau with him and to have the spiritual truth that when we go out as servants, we are doing exactly what he has done. Amen? Praise God. And so that's what we're going to be hitting on this month. Amen. So read these, amen, uh, lessons and study them. And next week we're going to talk about uh, repentance, repentance, and we're going to touch a little bit more on humility. And on Wednesday night we're still talking about overcoming the world. Amen. So if you can't be here, make sure you listen to it on the web. Amen. But this is what God is trying to get us to grow. We've got to grow. Amen. And growth starts with having understanding. You've got to understand and know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Amen.